Hey everyone, this is Basically Experts, the podcast where two experts answer your questions with their knowledge, experience, and a whole lot of rambling. (laughs) I'm Lori. I am an expert in sports nutrition, um, running, cycling, healthy meals, and right now abstaining from any alcohol or caffeine, so living a pretty dull life pretty dull life because she's growing a human inside her body so yeah pregnancy leads to (laughs) leads to dullness (laughs) and I'm Leah I am an expert runner and cyclist I have a few years of pro cycling in my past maybe in my future if they ever start racing again and I've run uh, 40 something marathons um including the Olympic trials marathon in 2012 which actually was not the best race of my life but by most people's standards it's probably the most notable so we'll go with that and this week if you can't already tell I've got a new microphone I'm pretty excited about it I hope you're excited about the enhanced sound quality and that doesn't make me an expert in podcasting but it does make me an expert in online shopping which I have done (laughs) way more than is necessary in the last week. And um, this microphone is a purchase that was on Cyber Monday. It was on sale. Um, I think it was worth it. I feel like at least 50% of our texts in the last week have been, did you see the sale here? Hey, what about this? Hey, should I get this? Oh, my gosh. It's a toxic relationship. We need to stop. But it's also great because we'll we'll tell each other when there's really necessary things. Like anybody on this yeah. podcast, if you don't know, well, maybe we shouldn't divulge because I also feel like it's the thing that I feel like Farm Rio is a brand that maybe not a ton of people are aware of how amazing it is. It is boutique mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'd never been aware of it. And it's very, it's loud. It's, um, but it's cute. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Super, like a lot of bright prints a lot of animal and fruit prints and if you I need love it yeah if you need like a standout piece to add to your wardrobe farm rio is like the place to shop because no one else around you is going to have that item on and it is eye-catching and it is fun i've worn their jumpsuits out like to dinner back when you could do that and you just get like stares and questions and like where did you get that and it's really fun and it's it's pricey, but you can oh if you if you can be patient, you can always get the stuff. And so Lori and I have a couple items that we both have, which is fine because we live far apart. But there was this one jumper, I think it was like a hundred and eighty dollars. But she sent it to me like a link to this thing when she knew I was shopping the sale and it was like, Look, it's thirty four dollars and I was like, How can I not buy that? It used right. to be $180. It's adorable. And if it ends up Absolutely. not looking super good on me, that would be an incredible gift for somebody. And fortunately for me, unfortunately for one of my friends, it looks fabulous. So, <laughs> And the next time we're actually together, we can totally be twinning in our we farm. Should, we should for our, for our podcast cover photo shoot. We definitely Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so funny. Checking that out. So we're not sponsored in any way by Farm Rio. I wish we were. If anyone who's an affiliated with that company listens to this pod and wants to get us a wardrobe from them, I will happily take all the. Oh, absolutely. Send me some free Farm Rio. Gear. Yes, please. 
Yeah. So when we're not in athletic clothes, we're just hanging out in our fancy farm Rio. Oh, it's so nice. I can't wait to, I'm actually, I'm going to a birthday dinner this Friday and I'm going to wear one of my new farm Rio pieces. I haven't even decided which one yet, but. I have one like folded up already packed for going to Florida in 10 days. So super excited. Oh, okay. podcast. That's okay. This is just switching gears. Okay, so I do have something on an athletic front that I was just like just found this out now while you were refilling your beverage. Oh. I like went on Instagram real quick and I saw that Alafine. Is it Alafine or Alafini? Do you know like the Olympic trials? one of the three finalists, this, the super marathoner. Um, so she was one of the top three at the trials and is going to U S Olympic spot for a marathon. Okay. I need to, I need to Google this because I feel like I, I swear I definitely know, but I don't know what you're talking about right now. This is a, so this is, I, I just, Molly. I, yeah. So Molly and then who else and was the other one? It wasn't Shalane. It wasn't mm-hmm. Des. Was it Des? It wasn't Des. No, Des was fourth, sadly. I, my heart was crushed. Oh, I um, love Des. Des! I know. Des can is, I like, have... my spirit animal. Can I, can I segue with a Des story? Like, because I just feel like Des... I do know she has a, a bajillion of fans. But, okay, so in 20... Um, let's see, what year was it? 13. So in 2011, I went to the Walt Disney World Marathon, and I won. And if you win... Part of your prize is the following year. I don't know if this still happens, but it was at the time. They fly you and a guest back. They pay for your airfare. They pay for your hotel and put you up, like, on a Disney property and give you passes to all the parks and, like, a $125 voucher. And, you know, you get elite starting or whatever. Well, so I deferred in 2012 because of the Olympic trials. But then I went – I took my trip there in 2013, and Des was there running the half. And so they have all these, like, this VIP dinner the night before, or maybe two nights before, I don't know. It was this receiving dinner where it's, like, all the elite athletes and whatever special guests. I don't remember anyone that was there besides Des. And I was just like, okay, I want to get a photo with her. But I always feel like, I always, in all the times that I've encountered famous people, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like I didn't want to be annoying. I didn't want to be, like, one more person pestering her. But at the same time, I'm like, sure. I'm in a small room of people, and she's right there. And you're not going to get that chance yeah. again, likely. So you just have to, like, fight it yeah. and look like a 13-year-old, like, stalker and be like, please. Exactly. So I walked up to her, <laughs> and I was just like, I am so sorry. I know you probably get this all the time, but do you mind taking a photo? And she said, actually, I don't. So this is really nice. And I was like, what is wrong with America? You know, I feel like she has, and I think this is like why I like her so much, is because she kind of has that resting bitch persona where, <laughs> like, you know, in a good way, where she is like focused and she's like living her life doing her thing. And she's just kind of like, isn't, because there are runners who are like blonde and bubbly and smiley. And those I feel like are more just outwardly approachable. And then Des is like, yeah, she's just, like, more inward and focused and, like, it's not the person you might want to run up to. I personally feel like she is, like, too cool to talk to. I talk to her husband on Instagram sometimes and he's super friendly. Yeah. I've tried their coffee, Linden by Two. It's really good. Um, Do I need to get some of that? Yeah. 
yeah, when I was doing like the whipped coffee, I was like, can I have some of your instant coffee to try? And yeah, it's tasty stuff. Small, you know, brand supports good business, good people. Um, so yeah, definitely check them out. And one, when I was in Tucson over the winter, I was running in Sabino Canyon mm-hmm. and I took the QOM on a right running segment and knocked Des to second place. And I felt so good. I mean, I'm sure it was like her recovery run, you know, like this isn't Girl, comparing whatever. me. It isn't comparing me. It does at all. But you know, that feeling where you're just like, thank you. I'll take that one. This sure will never happen again. And I'm going to frame it. I'm pretty sure what you're trying to say with this is that you're going to win the Olympic trials in 2020. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so getting back to the Olympic trials, I just noticed that Elephine posted that she is 31 weeks pregnant. What? So is she still training for, yeah. So like I did a 13 mile run today and it was so slow and I just felt like you know, one of those days being pregnant where I'm just like plodding along and I feel really great about getting out there and getting my 60 miles for the week and like being consistent. But then I'm like looking at her and I'm just like, damn girl, like you get it. Yeah. 31 weeks still going for, we've got a year till the Olympics. Let's have a baby real quick. Right. I mean, like knock it out. And then, I mean, maybe she just really wanted that post-pregnancy PR, (laughs) that that VO2 boost, which I did read, and they actually found that there is, it was very small, but statistically significant, VO2. There's a thing, Hmm? like, there's, like, it's rumored that I don't know what year this was, so I didn't do the research, I wasn't prepared to talk about this on the pod today, so you'll have to research it yourself, but there's a rumor or a fact or a story, whatever, about that Russian women used to purposefully get pregnant and stay pregnant for whatever time until you get this, whatever it is that will create the post-pregnancy boost and then abort, like for the sake of- Whoa, I need to find this article. I have been, so I'm doing my um, exercise science master's degree and I'm just like finishing up on my final project. And my project is now I've just changed gears because I'm so- into researching performance and pregnancy that I'm designing a research study to like figure this out and see if there's actual truth to it. And right now I have not come across any, except for that little VO2 boost study that was in like 10 women. I have not come across anything showing that there is like a post an actual like PR inducing boost but I have it's it's definitely like in the rumor mill. Like yeah. you hear it as an athlete. So well, I am. Um... Have to go in and tell me if you find me because I didn't read this article myself. I heard this from a form when I was when I was an employee at the university here, and the head coach of the track team at the time, who had been the sprint coach when I was an athlete there. So I knew him for years, but he was never actually my coach. But he was tell he was the one who told me this whole thing about that women it's on wikipedia like first thing that comes up if you if you google russians use pregnancy to boost performance it is like actually in he made it up but i also that's which wikipedia isn't science but so i will definitely like (laughs) i did donate to them i again if you have a few dollars give it to a good cause donate to wikipedia because it's an awesome resource but um i'm definitely going to 
yeah, look into this a little further and, and see, but I am finding some really cool um, information and research that's out there. So I'll definitely touch back on that subject in the next few episodes, keep everyone on their toes about pregnancy performance. Um, Yeah. The Russian story, yeah. Uh, Pregnancy doping. Oh, man, leave it to the Russians. Do you want to take a little bit of a sidebar with me that's related to sports and things we just talked about? But you just said, if you have a few dollars, donate to Wikipedia. And I don't have any idea why this came to my mind. But if you have a few dollars and you're looking for a good place to donate, the other thing that I'm just really – I'm super down with at the moment and stoked on what they're doing is the Legion of LA cycling team. I just think, Ooh, tell me more. I think they're so badass. Well, you know, that's the team Justin Williams founded. So mm-hmm. they're crit dominating. Like, and if you, they have, they've done a, he does a podcast on um, pacing McAlvin's the adventure stash, which is a great podcast all around, but Payson does an interview with Justin Williams where he's talking just about about how they have been so dominant in crit teams. And this is like, when I listened to it, I was blown away because, you know, sometimes if you talk to people, it's like pros will hide their power data on Strava because they feel like that's giving away race tactics mm-hmm. or whatever. He effectively laid out the way that they win crits like he broke it down and told it to everybody because he's like it's not a secret what we do it's like this is how and I mean I can't listen to the pod but it's just like if you can if you can do better than this then you can beat us but you can't Mm -hmm. because we have this many guys that are this strong that are this willing that are this committed and we're just going to do this and we're going to put you in a place where you can't beat us. And it's just like, it's not even, it doesn't even come across as arrogant. It's just like matter of fact, like we've done the work. We've put in the work to be athletic enough. We've put in the research to figure out how enough, like the brains behind it. Mm-hmm. We have put together a team of guys that will support each other in this way. And if they show up, like, oh good luck (laughs) right well that's awesome i think that's really cool and they're mostly there it's a team of mostly people of color there are some white guys on the team but there's a lot of black and hispanic and then this coming season they've also funded they've hired i don't know if they're planning to have a full team but they have three women they've hired um kendall ryan and Skylar Schneider and I feel so awful because I forget the third girl's name because she's a lesser known cyclist but they've begun this women's team that it's just like I mean I know Kendall I I was teammates with Kendall's sister Alexis and Kendall's just like speed queen she's just a badass crit Mm -hmm. specialist same with Skylar Skylar rode on world tour team for a while but I think yeah and the sky the Schneider sisters are just like really good people like super nice women so it's just like I already was just like I mean you you can't you can't not respect the legion men's squad 
for their dominance and their skill. But then when you listen to an interview with Justin, he's also a really smart businessman. Like he's, he's just, he's a really good guy. And what he's trying to do, it's just a really, like he was trying to do this before the movement for equality. I mean, I know like, I don't know, I'm probably going to get bashed for I, I, everything I'm saying. I'm trying to say well, and I'm probably going to right, fail. sure. But like, obviously there's been a massive movement around equal rights and the whole thing with the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter in 2020. And I'm not belittling any of that, but I'm just saying Justin was on this mission before 2020, but it's mm-hmm. just been sort of, catapulted to another level because of that in in a in a way that I mean outwardly it looks like it's purely beneficial I'm sure there's been moments of high stress for them but it's just like they've been working at this for years and then I mean the fortunate unfortunate thing is when all of this came to light I think suddenly brands became hyper aware of needing to do things which they should have wanted to do anyways, but they're taking action now, which... Right, and diversifying a bit, yeah. So it ended up being... I'm sure that that was helpful. I don't know. Like I said, this is coming out really muddled up, and I'm not trying to say, like... No, I think it's great that they're getting their, like, spotlight. I mean, they worked for it. They deserve it. and And if you listen to him talk, it's like, it's just... It's such a... Like, I think there's a difference in... There's a, it's a, it's usually a pretty obvious difference from a brand or a company or whatever when they're virtue signaling versus like legit and clearly just from the ground up, this is a a team that's been like legit on this mission for a long time. And now they're finally, like they already had a good bit of attention, but it's, it's grown and I think it's a really great thing, and I'm just super stoked to see what they do, both on the men's and now the women's side, rolling into 2021. I'm just super, super stoked. I highly encourage listening to him um, on his podcast. Yeah, and I mean, this is the season of giving. Like, not a lot of us are going to be in big family gatherings and, like, opening presents. So, like, forget it. You don't need to send your you know, close family members, gigantic gifts instead, just like give on their behalf, like donate to some cycling teams that are starting up that need some funding, some organizations that you really support your local businesses. Like, and I feel like when you say giving, like people are like, Oh, I don't have a hundred dollars or whatever. It's like five bucks, right? Like $5 helps so much because if you get enough people, like that's a lot of money still. So $5, that's that's right. So it's not an insignificant amount. Like take your $5 and give it to someone that can really use it and benefit from it. Yep, 100%. So I think that was a cool. beautiful segue. I mean, not segue, a sidebar. That was like, a I completely so agree. Really worthy and hopefully will be well received. Now that I we've completed my tangent, should we dive into some questions? Yeah, let's do it. We've got some new ones this week. Um, so question number one, I would love input on prescription cycling glasses. I've noticed Lori wears RX sometimes, and I'd really appreciate some insight. 
Most cycling sunnies don't have prescription, and I don't really know what to look for in a pair, especially when they're so pricey and I can only get one. What are your opinions on the best all-around lenses? So I do. I I normally wear contacts. Um, Otherwise, I'm pretty blind. But on cycling, I wear Rokas, and I don't actually have their prescription sunglasses. I have a pair of their prescription just like normal glasses because they added a line of prescription glasses, and I love them. They're so lightweight. They're like grippy And I can wear them on the trainer if I am not, like, going outside and don't feel like wasting a pair of contacts for the day. I am such a huge fan of them. So I would assume that their sunglasses and prescription are just as good of high quality. And I wear their non-prescription sunglasses and they're lightweight and you can change lenses in and out. So I really do enjoy those. Um... I don't know if brands like with the RX, it's hard because you can't really like try them on, send them back, but you could probably order some pairs of like the non-prescription of different brands and kind of see if you like the fit because they're going to be the same except for the lenses, right? So you can definitely like try some on and see if you like the fit and then decide where you want to invest your prescription lenses in and also see if like your insurance covers any because I know some insurances will cover at least some of the portion of that. So might be worth looking into. Yeah. I um I I would be speaking completely out of my lane to advise on this. I wear contacts. I've I've never had prescription sunglasses because I guess because I need my contacts all the time and I don't yeah. So I just haven't gone that route. So sorry. I'm not I'm not helpful here at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like, though, that's the that's my thing as well is I don't want to, like, I'm already wearing contacts, so just normal sunglasses are fine. I don't really like going back and forth from, like, glasses to then prescription sunglasses. And I tried a pair of prescription sunglasses that were not sport-related years ago, and I found them to be – the polarized lenses were just – there was something weird about them, and I did not enjoy – wearing them at all and I think that really just put a bat yeah they were kind of like a holographic like the lens was weird it was a little funky I don't know if the ophthalmologist just like made them weird or if that's how they were just because of the polarization I'm not sure but I did not enjoy them at all they gave me headaches and that just kind of put a bad like taste in my mouth for purchasing another pair because they are expensive Um, but I mean, I'm sure if there's an actual problem, you can get that refunded. But as far as like just glasses, in my experience, I really do like Roka. I don't honestly, because I haven't looked at other brands, I don't know what other sunglasses are like. I don't know if Oakley has they prescription. Do. And I, and I, they do. Yeah, and I can speak. I mean, disclaimer, the team Lori and I ride for now are sponsored by Roka. I'm sure that's not why, I mean, we legitimately love their glasses, but just to put that out there. Yeah. When I worked for Canyon SRAM, we were sponsored by Oakley, but um, I know they gave us an option to order RX sunglasses. And in hindsight, I should have just said yes, because they (laughs) were free. But, um, and I, what I found out in hindsight, because then my teammate Alexis got this pair of like super cute non-cycling because I looked at it and I was just like, I'm just taking advantage. Like why 
I'm about to say yes Mm -hmm. and make them send me this free pair of glasses that I don't know that I'll wear because I don't like I always am going to have my contacts in. So I thought it just felt self-serving, which I, like I said, looking back, I should have just gone (laughs) with it anyway, just to experience them. But I didn't realize they were also offering just regular prescription day-to-day glasses because Alexis got this pair and they were super cute. But my whole point in that being, I know that Oakley does do it. I don't have any idea on the cost and I can't, I had great experience with their regular sunglasses. I right. Remember. Before our team, I wore Oakley. Yeah. Like my husband and I shared Oakley's because you can switch out the lenses and we just had a bunch of different colored frames yeah. so we could both kind of go back and forth and nothing. I can't say anything bad about the Oakley. I like the Roka more only because I also run and I feel that they're lighter yeah. and that I enjoy that more for running. Um, but for cycling, I think the Oakleys are great. Yeah. So it really just, I would like go into your local shop and try on some different pairs of brands that you know do offer RX and see what you like the fit of more. And then since you, this is the tricky part of like this question and um, prescription sunnies in general is like, yeah, it is expensive. You don't want to have like six pairs. So the best all around lenses, um, it really, I would, I would say, like, look at your weather a lot and know what is common in your area. If you live in Florida and it's, like, bright most of the time, then you're going to be fine with a a lens that's good for bright, sunny conditions. If you are in an area where it's all over the place, you know, maybe, like, a transition lens if they offer that. Um, If it's usually, like, dreary or if you're running on trails most of the time or you're cycling, like, mountain bike and you need to like pick up those fine details. Most places have lenses that cater more to like reducing shadow. So I would say what the best all around lens is going to be whatever is fitting for the majority of your weather and your activity. And the other thing I'll add to that, and I, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what the best method is to research this other than I guess peer reviews or non peer, just, reviews of the product but something else to be cognizant cognizant of when choosing a lens and I'm also not sure if this is something about the lens treatment versus the construction of the sunglass but I will say like I've ridden in Roka's from our team I've had great experience with Roka's I have actually zero complaints about them Oakley's same thing I think those are both great brands and I also rode for a year for a gravel team, which is a whole nother sidebar that we won't go into today, but <laughs> we were sponsored by 100%. From a look and from a normal day-to-day perspective, they were great. They're a little bit less expensive retail, but there was a noticeable difference in weather that caused them to fog up. Like it wasn't an everyday problem, but a problem that I never had with my Rokas or my Oakleys I had with the 100% glasses, and I wish I could give you a bit better info as far as what was the particular weather that day, because I can't remember if it was just a super humid day or if it was rainy or really cold. I just know it was like it was an issue I had never experienced with my other glasses, and I don't know what causes that, but I would say, especially if you're looking for something in prescription, just maybe try to read some reviews when you're making your selection and see if there's any complaints of that, because... It's like one of those things that's just not a problem until it's a problem. But it's like 
if you're in a moment, particularly if that instance hits when you're in a race, it's not ideal. Um, so while day to day they might be fine, if suddenly you're dealing with a super humid, rainy or whatever day and your lenses are fogging up, it's kind of a ball ache. So, and again, not knocking 100% glasses, 95% of the time they were amazing. So this isn't about promoting or de-promoting any brand, just saying when you're going to select a sunglass, prescription or not. Um, yeah, reading reviews is always, always a good thing to yeah. do for any product. And I, I definitely agree. And I think that's more of an issue for the prescription because if you're mm-hmm. you know, wearing contacts or have wonderful vision, if you're so privileged, um, yeah. you can just take off your glasses right. in a race. Right. Yeah, but if they, you have RX, like you can't you just take them off. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you do have to pay attention to those special conditions. Yeah. So really good point. Okay. I think we've about worn that question out. You ready to move on to the next one? Let's do it. Okay. So we have, I am so sick of smoothies. Can I have soup as a recovery food option? Is recovery soup a thing? If so, what's the best pick? Okay. Well, first of all, yeah, you can definitely have recovery soup as a thing. I don't know of any brands. They may be out there. I don't think there's a brand that's actually calling themselves a recovery soup. Okay, this is our next This is our next business, yeah. Leah. Don't say anything else. I'm getting the lawyers involved. We are but, marketing some recovery soup. But I can soup. already hear the sharks on Shark Tank <laughs> shooting it down, asking if there's really a market for this. Do you really, <laughs> really need yeah, a totally. market? You know everybody else. You know these ingredients already exist in regular soup. Spoiler alert. The ingredients that you need in a recovery shake probably exist in regular food. I think the thing with a mm. shake is it's easy, it's convenient. If you're in that mode, I mean, some of us come home from a long run, it's just like, if you'd rather just make a meal, there's really nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times, either because of time constraints or just really wanting to be picky about the nutrients and not wanting to worry about putting a meal together that fits them all, a protein shake is the easiest, quickest way. But if you have the time and you have the resources and whatever, you can absolutely get the nutrients you're getting a protein shake might make the bioavailability of the bio. I can't even yeah, I mean, it's going to be designed. Like, it's on the market of well, some of them. Some of them are on the market for a reason and actually have things, you know, that are put together for a purpose that are going to help get into your cells quicker. And part of that is, like you mentioned, just the ability to have it so quickly after a workout. So, I mean, soup is essentially a hot smoothie, right? And it's the same. It is... Unless you're, we're not talking about like making your own from scratch because that would not be ready in time for a true recovery meal. But um, if you have leftovers of scratch made soup or a can or, you know, a, a frozen soup or whatever it might be, like a dry mix that you're adding broth to, soups are wonderful. And I would say even better than smoothies because. One, I'm living in the, fr- the Arctic right now. It is never going to be. <laughs> I shouldn't even say that because it hasn't even turned like horrible, but it's, you know, in the mid twenties, a lot of times and who wants to come home from a run or a ride and be like, Oh, now all I want is to blend up some frozen bananas and ice. Like, no, it's cold. That's miserable. Soup is way better. And also soup has a lot more sodium. And after a workout, that's what your body needs. Like you need a lot of sodium. So 
soup is a great option. What kind of soup is your favorite? You know, I mean, I just said I agree. I don't eat soup often, but I'll tell you a thing that I love that is super easy to make, and you can make a batch, and it will last quite a while. So you put a broth, just like I, I just use a regular chicken broth, but you can use a vegan or a bone or whatever kind of broth in a crock pot with cut up an entire onion, um, a couple of sweet potatoes, a bunch of kale, and pull the meat from the rotisserie chicken and put that all like in a crock pot. It's so easy because it literally is like chop the onion, tear or chop the kale, chop the potato, pull the chicken, stick it in a crock pot, go out for your two-hour run, and you come back, it's amazing. So as far as something you can- I do pretty much the same thing with the rotisserie chicken because that's such an easy option. Sometimes I add like a can of white beans and I do the carrot, onion, sometimes celery route with a bone broth because I think bone broths are like super nutritious. Um, But yeah, that's, it's such an easy, like quick put together soup. And also just like can, it's hard to resist the, what is it? Pacific organic creamy tomato soup, I think is like the best thing on the market for like a prepared you know, boxed soup. It's so good. I believe so. I haven't been to a Panera Bread in a long time. Right. time sitting by a fire or in the fall like watching the leaves come down from the trees mood that soup is so good that sounds delicious there was when we would go to france to ride they have a soup in their supermarket that is again like a carton soup but it is pumpkin and chestnut oh my god I was addicted to that. I would get so many. And after every ride, I would just make a huge bowl of that. Sometimes I would add pasta or like have it with bread. It was so good. And the same thing, like those creamy winter, even though we were there in like July, that's all I wanted to eat. Yeah, like humble nut butter is delicious. And I'm going to add Freak Flag Organics because they make some bone broth. So if you do want to try your own soups, like you can go that route. But I completely agree. Like look up your local small food brands and like fill your pantry with good stuff and high quality ingredients and give them some love because they need it. Kilogram box she's waiting to ship me. She's like, I'm basically sending you diabetes. But in hers, I included 
to a jar of the turmeric, maple, humble nut butter, and the sun-dried basil cashew butter, which you guys just do it. They're so awesome. But I'm going to do a sidebar to the sidebar since you mentioned Freak Plague Organic. And you guys, I promise you, I would be total upfront and honest if we were being sponsored by these companies. And as before, if these companies are listening and want to sponsor us, 100% on board. But this is just, at this point, we're very low budget. This is just. Yeah, this is just what we like. like This is our honest, super honest opinion. I posted something somewhere, God knows where. I'm sure one of her amazing IG posts that was like, hey, Freak Flake Organics. And they were having some sale. And it was like three little jars of pesto that I was just like. Okay, Amazon car. Amazon makes it way too easy to impulse buy, but I did. Dangerous. I bought, and it was three jars of different kinds of pesto. It was a tomato, a kale, and a carrot. And I've used the entirety of the the tomato and the kale because I cooked them just with beef and stewed, not stewed, but like saute. I sauteed tomatoes with garlic and then put the meat in and then put the sauce and just put it over pasta. But the carrot is a bit different like the tomato and the kale both kind of taste like pesto with a yeah I agree it is I have a jar in my fridge that's open right now and it's not quite pesto like because I'm like I'm sure this can be good in something but I don't know what to do with it so if you said as like a sandwich spread or like instead of mustard if I want something like bold and I don't have hummus or something um but or like stirred into rice just for like you know you don't have to use a lot so it's saucy but more for the flavor aspect but I agree that one I'm still kind of I, I'm still toying with it and using they have a chop sauce and a beet ketchup or is it a beet mustard one of the two anyway it's delicious really? like all I want is a steak and I just want to like pour this beet condiment on it See, so good people might be actually I don't know I think our sidebars are quite delightful but if you get annoyed by them <laughs> I, I think I feel just like hit the 30 second like because <laughs> if I were to see on the shelf beet I, I love beets and I enjoy I don't eat a lot of ketchup or mustard but I can appreciate both on the right occasion but if I were to see beet ketchup or beet mustard I would I would stifle a gag reflex so it's good for you to let people know because I definitely trust your judgment and what delicious food is y'all I've had Lori's cooking and I've bought stuff she's recommended and she's never been wrong ever yet so I trust you. But if I were to see it on the shelf, I'd say, ew, David. <laughs> so- <laughs> it's true. And I mean, even like the carrot pesto, like a lot of people might be put off by yeah. that or like, I don't know what to do I with it. Or, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I'm sure there's something good to do, but it's like, I tasted it and I'm like, that's not going to work in the simple way that the other things worked. No, you yeah. definitely have to get a little bit more creative. And I, again, like use it as a sandwich or like a burger topping or stir it into like if you're doing kind of a biryani or a rice a and like. Biryani? What's yeah, that? like it's like the fried rice version. And this is coming from a very like white person view of what it is. Because um, I know like the true way to make it is very intricate. But biryani is like in more Indian like fried rice it has usually like dried currants or like dried fruit in it cashews a lot like saffron it's really a nice dish so you can definitely make like the white girl version and put your rice and put some flavors and like so I think with like cashews and some dried fruit mixed into that like rice grain bowl the carrot pesto would 
adds some great flavor or just putting like a scoop into your stir fry or a salad instead of like dressing and letting, you know, just having a little bit more of a flavor adventure. I love a good flavor adventure. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Fantastic. Um, Yeah. I think we've crushed. Um, Okay. So yeah. So the soup. um, So one other thing I want to touch on that question with the like recovery aspect is like, I need to go get a glass of water. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I'm taking over. So because it's recovery, you do want to make sure that it has like some carbohydrates. So the creamy tomato soup wouldn't be like the best option unless you're having that with like a sandwich. Right. So if you're coming back from a harder workout, you definitely want something with a little bit of calories, some protein and some carbohydrates. So like a chicken noodle soup or a rice and bean soup with again, a lot of that salty high sodium broth would be a really great option. And then, you know, if your stomach is feeling calmed down and you're feeling up for it, then throwing a lot of vegetables in there too, so that you feel really satisfied And you're not reaching for, you know, the chips or something an hour later when your appetite comes back. So because it's a recovery, I would just say, make sure that it has like a good sodium rich broth, make sure it has something that's giving you a good dose of protein, and then don't neglect the carbohydrate option. So think of a more soup stew meal kind of dish and not just the pureed ones for a recovery option. (laughs) I suddenly just want soup for dinner. Ooh, it's soup. It's soup-ish. Yum. An opaque seaweed. Is it crunchy? Is it hard? What kind of shape is this off-white thing? Maybe it was just like the egg whites because I you know in like an egg drop soup or like tofu. No, okay. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take the, I'll take that wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, you'll have to circle back because I am legit confused on what that could be. All right, shall we go to the next question? 
Okay. This listener is asking us to tell them more about running shoes. Should they have a different pair for speed and endurance or distance? And how many miles can I get per pair? As somebody who worked in running shoe stores for several years, I feel highly qualified to answer this topic. Um, And then I'll let Lori jump in. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Should I have a different pair for speed and distance? Um, Should you? I just, I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that like, for some people, this is as simple as you asking me to go to the store and buy a gourmet soup and a can of Campbell's and I can buy both at the same time and it's no problem, but it's like people are on different budgets. So I don't want to stress anyone Mm -hmm. out. If you're listening to this and it's like, but, but, but I have to use, you can use the same pair of shoes for everything and that's going to be, yeah, you can totally get by. If you have financial flexibility, it's great to have a few pairs of shoes. Um, When I was training at the highest level, because I have very, I have really, this isn't me being like, oh, please compliment me and tell me that I look like a gazelle. Like, I don't. I don't have mm-hmm. beautiful running mechanics. I don't, I don't look pretty running in a video. And my body has felt the um, impact and reaction of having not perfect biomechanics. So I need to run in a shoe for regular training doing whatever mileage like the complete weekly mileage in a shoe that's going to give my foot and my joints the support it needs and the cushion it needs and I think everyone needs that for some degree if you're doing a high volume of running you need a shoe that can take a pounding day in and day out and so I'm going to go to the end of the question then I'll circle back to the stuff about the different shoes how many miles per pair what's recommended is three to five hundred miles so for some people that's six months to a year for some people that's replacing your shoes every two months um I think when I was training about 80 90 miles a week pretty regularly I would replace my shoes every three months so I think the three to five hundred miles rule is pretty good I think you will also get into a routine if you're training a pretty consistent amount of miles you will almost get to a point where if you've overshot the mark on your shoes you will start to feel it a little bit And what I would recommend then is, you know, make note of how many miles that was and then change your shoes before. Because, yeah, if you start feeling a little bit of extra soreness, a little bit of extra muscular fatigue and you change your shoes right then, you'll probably be fine. But there will be a couple runs in there where you'll have taken some impact to your body that you could have just missed if you would have just replaced your shoes right before. And it's inconsequential, but it's just like – I know somebody like, I've been running in these shoes for two years and the bottom of the treads still don't look worn. Like, trust me, they're <laughs> compressing on the inside. So some shoes, particularly for someone who does a lot of treadmill running, um, they may not show, or if you're in a place that never has bad weather, so it's like the upper of the shoe looks fairly pristine, but that the sole of those shoes is made to endure for a certain period of time and it does compress over time. And if you've bought sale shoes, whether online or your local running store has um, a sale on old model shoes, um, yes, they want to clear the way for new shoes, but there is a, a point in time when a shoe's shelf life 
will be it, it will lessen the amount of like a one season old pair probably no problem but if you're buying a shoe that's like two or three seasons old expect that it's probably going to break down a little bit quicker so that's just something to be cognizant of there Ooh, that's yeah. super interesting i never yeah. really thought of yeah. that i mean it's huh. it, 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 like i said if it's like a year old it's probably no problem but it's just like there's materials in the shoes and but I know people who, with running shoes, like, they yeah. like one specific model and will buy, like, mm-hmm. 10 pairs. And then three years later, it's still like, oh, yeah, I'm still wearing the and same model. Probably, like, it's not so... like, oh, the shoe is trash. It's not like it started to disintegrate. Sure. Like, but it might break yeah, down a little a, faster yeah. is what you're saying. But generally, mm-hmm. that three to 500 rule is pretty accurate. Um, and then as far as a different pair for speed and distance, it's uh, when I was competing at the height of my – competition i had three pairs so i had my basic like long runs daily mileage whatever and warm-up shoe then i had a super lightweight one i would wear for the track um which was like going to give me the optimal it was it was optimally light it wasn't as stable at all as my other shoe but for doing but it allowed me to really work on um biomechanics for speed it just let me get the best out of myself speed wise but i wouldn't and i would maybe wear that shoe for like a 5k or a 10k but i wouldn't even race a half marathon in it because it was light enough to the fact that i could do speed work in it but it didn't have enough support to hold me for a half or a marathon so then i had a mid-weight shoe that was lighter than my everyday trainer but not as light as a track shoe i know that's a lot and that sounds and for most people, I think two, if you can do it all in your training shoe, the training shoe is the most important. And if you, if you aren't in a place financially where you can get a second pair of shoes, just do everything in your training shoe. Don't sacrifice what your body needs. Because even if you have, even if you're blessed with biomechanics to where you don't need a lot of support, you can, you're, you're fairly slight and or light on your feet and you can run in a lightweight shoe all the time, those will break down quicker. They're not designed to put out a light, a race flat is not designed to pound out three months of 80 mile weeks. So if you want to run in that all the time, it's fine, but just note that that's not going to hold for the three to 500 miles. That's going to be more like a, if you're running in it day in and day out, probably like a 200 mile shoe. But if you're running in it, just for speed work you'll get as much time out of it as you will your training flat um so there and there's also a difference with if you're someone who is neutral you wear a neutral shoe for like you don't over pronate under pronate like you just wear a basic neutral shoe which these if these words mean nothing to you go see a specialty running shop to figure out what kind of shoe you need you can Google it online and they'll tell you you can do like a footprint test or whatever. I don't really trust that. I think you should go talk to somebody at a specialty running shop who can watch you run because the footprint test can be deceiving. But if you're in one of the, if you don't need a lot of support, you can have a bit more play with running more often in a lightweight shoe. But um, yeah, again, it's just, if, if, it's, if it's in the budget, I would say two pairs is kind of an ideal three is a luxury um but having one that you do your track sessions and your tempo runs and your races in and then having one that you do your longer runs in and your and the bulk of your training in um 
that's that's fantastic if you can if you can do that yes I've never had three pairs well I have I have like probably 30 (laughs) pairs of sneakers right now but I've never actually like just like assigned you know three pairs for different runs I I do two different pairs um and I might do multiple pairs for my normal training because I wear stability because I like higher mileage I don't want to risk anything out on my like just general like bulk of miles um so I wear right now I'm wearing the Mizuno wave shadows I really like them I will also yeah I I love them and I that's a new thing I've been in the inspire for years so So me too. I was in Inspire for years and then they did like a slight change the last year and something about it, you know, when a running shoe every few years, they like switch something up and it just like wasn't for my foot anymore. But I had a pair of the shadows and I tried them and I am sold. Like I feel like they're way more responsive. They're a little bit lighter. There's still stability, but they're like a little bit more of the in-between where the Inspires are a little chunkier and heavier uh, so yeah, I definitely like. I can't tell you all of the specs on them, but I. So I just posted on Instagram like the other day that I've run almost 800 miles throughout this pregnancy so far, and all 800 miles have been on those one pair of wave shadows, and I've been wearing them for months before the pregnancy. So I am breaking the rules. I just put on a new pair of wave shadows today. Like broke out a new pair from a box. And so like I can get a lot of miles on them and again, not saying that you should. Um, and I definitely know what you mean about like listening to your foot too, because I feel the ball of my foot will get more sore at the end of a run. And that is like my telltale sign that the shoes need to go. And I swear every pair, even if they're the same model, every pair is a little different. Some I'll feel that like come on super soon and others like this pair, I'm just like, oh, 800 miles and they feel great still. Um, so I know that can be deceiving. So I did switch today. So don't yell at me, but <laughs> I really like the shadow. And when I was doing speed work and it took me a long time to do this, but I did grab a pair of um, I was wearing the Newton distance elites for a while for speed. I really like that they are designed to have that like forward push and it, they're just so different from my normal trainers that it was just like a big switch in okay now you are doing speed like I would even warm up in my normal stability shoes and then come home put the other shoes on and like do my intervals or whatever and I did try I raced a half marathon in them once like many years ago I tried a few years ago to run them in a marathon. It did not work out. They broke down super quick. My whole body hurt. Like it was amazing how much pain. I've never been in so much pain. Like I barely managed a sub three by like 30 seconds and got a third place in this marathon in Wisconsin. But it was torture and I know it was a lot of it had to do with the shoes so they are not marathon shoes I'll stick to my Mizunos for that but to put them on for speed work I really like having that distinction between the two pairs and just like whether it's a mental thing whether it's the feel of your feet 
Um, I'm really big on that, but I've never tried to throw a third pair in for like the tempo miles. I I think for most people too is fine. It's just that I had access and I had a very light pair of shoes and on the track, because I come from a track background, like I raced track in high school and in college. So we had spikes, you know, and it's like, these weren't spikes. Mm. I don't think I'll ever probably race another race in spikes, but they were like a shoe that was nearly as light as a spike. So it's like doing track work felt good and I could race in those and that would feel good. But if you were a longer distance racer, so it's like, conversely, if you're looking at if the races you're aiming for are no longer than 10 K, you could still go two pairs, your training shoe and then your race flat, which would also do well on the track. But if you're doing a lot of track work and speed work, but your race distance goal is half marathon, marathon, or ultra, I feel like your training shoe is probably a bit heavier than ideal. And if you're doing that track work, that flat is really a little bit less than you need. So I don't feel for anyone three are necessary, but it's like if you need to boil it down to two, always err in the side of making sure that one of those supports what you're doing the bulk of your miles in like don't say like well I only can have two so I'm gonna go for the race flat and the ultra lightweight one like one of your shoes one of your shoes if it's the even if it's the only shoe should be a basic running shoe and if that needs to also be your track shoe and also be your race shoe then that's fine but you have to prioritize the one that you're going to be doing the bulk of your training in first And then you can look at options and having a second pair is fantastic. And that doesn't have to be, you know, that I think can be selected based on the distances you're racing. Right. And that second pair too, like you, you had mentioned this earlier. I just want to reinforce it is like my, so my wave shadows, I'll go through them a lot faster. It could be because I'm doing, you know, uh, not a high mileage, but a decent weekly mileage. It adds up. I'm putting a lot of use into them. My speed shoes, I have had them for so long because at like the height of my training in the last year, I was doing maybe two short speed work workouts a week, you know? So I put them on so infrequently and it would be for like short interval work and take them off. I was not accumulating miles in them. So they really last a long time. So don't think that you're, you know, replacing $400 worth of shoes every three months because that's not going to be the case. And, and if, you're, if you've got that second pair that you're only using for track day and races, you can probably use it at least for a full year. Um, and the big thing on this is not for like vanity of having – you know, looking cool in different shoes and testing out models, it's injury prevention. Like that is why you want to have a good pair that's going to hold up. That's why you want to replace your shoes every like three to 500 miles. That's why you want maybe two different shoes and to make sure that your long running shoe is going to be supportive. All of that boils down to reducing impact and therefore reducing the risk of injury for your running career. Sweet. Well, I know that was only three, but we had some great tangents in there. So I think maybe we call that a week. Awesome.
Exactly. And we want more too. So send us your questions. You can send those questions either to basically expertspod at gmail.com or you can just slide into those DMs. We are on basically expertspod on Instagram or you can send them directly to Lori at hungry for results or to me at Leah Thorvalson because I'm not yet cool enough to have a name other than my own name be the name of my Instagram account. Well, okay. No one can say my maiden name, so I couldn't leave with that. It would be so... Nadescu? (laughs) Yeah, Nadescu. But it's like, yeah, you got it. And I mean, it's not that difficult, but it isn't like, it doesn't just roll off your tongue. And it's not an easy spelling where you could just say like, oh, hey, go to johnsmith.com. Like, no, it's confusing. So I I couldn't go that route. It just wasn't going to work. (laughs) Basically... <laughs> that's fine what was your do you remember your AOL name like when the internet started oh really because I feel like that's where like now Instagram has come back to you know oh, that like username of oh I am I show my age here but I when I'm I moved to Arkansas in 99 and the internet was really just getting hype <laughs> I didn't have an email account so I remember going into the library at UALR and I was like I guess I need to make an email for myself. And this man, I don't know who he was. He didn't work there. He might have been a bum off the street, but he seemed nice enough. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I was just like, I need to set up an email. And he told me, excuse me, he's like, don't use your real name. And I don't really know why. But I was like, okay, what's, like, one of the most common names that comes to mind? I was like, Johnson, Smith, whatever. And I was like, well, that's just so boring. So, Johansson, like, that's kind of common, but also sounds more Scandinavian. So, I made Leah Johansson at Hotmail.com. <laughs> and it still actually exists. I've never shut it down. But I had that all through. It wasn't until probably – it's been within the last 10 years that – I finally got Leah Thorvalson at Yahoo. But before that, that was my email. And I just got so tired of, oh, are you married? Oh, oh, are you divorced? Oh, is that your maiden name? Like, oh. It's so, okay. Can I second this? That email is so annoying with that because I feel like using your name has only become popular since Gmail started. And then it was more a professional thing of like, okay, done with the like, hot girl 99 <laughs> you know like weird you know cyclist chick 550 like okay we're over it like yeah. use your real name which is awesome until you get married and then it's like i still use lori.nadescu at gmail because okay lori russell is definitely taken and i don't want to put a bunch of like numbers after mine and i don't know how to like merge or forward every you know you don't want to tell all these accounts your new email so then and it's the same when I like used to call my business something else and I like haven't changed it email is annoying so but anyway that was our little final tangent guys we really love hearing from you and we hope that you are enjoying the podcast especially with this new sound quality that I brought you you're welcome 
Yeah, definitely let us know. We are trying to make this a better experience for all of you listeners. So we're working hard at that. This is a total um, selfish request. But if you're listening, even if you don't have questions, shoot me a message. I've actually had in the past two weeks, I've had two or three people message me on Instagram. Like that were, I mean, people that I've known since before the podcast started that are just like have referenced the podcast. I'm like, oh, you listen. Like it actually just really makes me feel really good to know that. <laughs> people are listening yeah give us a shout out if you're listening to the episode like we love it we want to hear it we want to know that you know you're out there and so we can keep giving you more content all right we will talk to you all next week have a wonderful week bye bye